your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, we're going to be talking about managing panic. You know, anxiety is having too much fear and worry. And some people have what's called generalized anxiety disorder, where they feel worried and stressed out about a whole lot of things. And often they worry about even small things. Some people also may have panic attacks. You know, and a panic attack is something uh, suddenly feeling extreme anxiety and you feel like you're trapped especially if you're in a social situation people who have a social anxiety disorder worry that they will do or say the wrong thing and embarrass themselves around other people and you know anxiety can cause physical symptoms like a fast heartbeat and sweaty hands and it can make you feel embarrassed especially if you're in public make you feel paralyzed it can make you limit your activities and can make it hard for you to enjoy life because you're wondering when it's going to come on and you don't even know why it came on. You know, healthy thinking can help you prevent or control anxiety, and negative thoughts can increase your worry or fear. And if we live in fear, we live without faith. And I'm not talking about Christianity. What I'm talking about is if we're going to live in fear and it just box up a whole lot of fears, what we do is we lack the ability to go, I have faith that. If we say, I have faith that, and resolve the fear with, I have faith that. What happens is we have another place to go and we need to stay there because that's how life is lived. It's a fear, it's a faith based uh, 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 vanity. When we are on earth, we are operating in faith because we have no control of life. And so faith is what we walk on in hope of good things to happen. You know, negative thoughts can really increase your worry or your fear. And, and if you look at uh, CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, well, that's a type of therapy that can help you replace negative thoughts with accurate and encouraging ones. And changing your thinking, we take some time. You need to practice healthy thinking every day. It's muscle memory that you're building. And after a while, healthy thinking will come naturally to you. You know, healthy thinking may not be enough to help some people who have worry and anxiety. Some people just feed on it. They make a life of it. They basically developed all the muscle memory around worry and fear. You know, but the best thing about healthy living is you got to have enough of it. You got to get sick of it and you got to get a handle on it. And you got to understand you have created this monster. Now you have to undo this monster. And sometimes that takes time. You know, notice and stop your thoughts. If that's what you do, stop your thoughts. That's the first step. And, and you notice and stop the negative thoughts or self-talk, some people might say. Self-talk is what you think and believe about yourself and your experiences. You know, it's like running a commentary in your head. Your self-talk may be rational and helpful, or it may be negative and not helpful. And if you're critical of yourself and you view yourself as less than, then what you're going to find is you live like that. And that's a sad thing because we lose hope. We just define ourselves with limitations, and we don't reach out and take leaps of faith in ourselves to take a chance because we're afraid of failure, which will reinforce our negative self-talk. Failure is an opportunity to learn. 
It's an opportunity to grow. Failure is not failure. It's an opportunity, and we need to take it that way. And I'm not trying to just blow smoke up your butt, but the truth is, it is. And that's what the scientific process is about. The scientific process is built out of failure. We need to fail, 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 and that's how great things get invented and great things happen. You know, the next step is to ask yourself whether your thoughts are helpful or unhelpful. Look at what you're saying to yourself. Does the evidence support your negative thought? Some of your self-talk may be true or it may be partly true, but usually it's exaggerated. You know, one of the best ways to see if you're worrying too much is to look at the odds. What are the odds or the chances the bad thing that you're worried about will happen? And if you have a job review that is one small criticism among many compliments, what are the odds that you really are in danger of losing your job? The odds are probably low, but if you believe you're going to lose your job, suddenly your behavior is going to be around that and you're going to think that you're going to lose your job and you actually create more opportunities to lose your job as you prepare yourself for that. If you're going to talk about divorce in a marriage, there's a good likelihood you're going to be divorced. As a matter of fact, if you're throwing divorce out there as a word, there's an 80% chance the marriage will end in divorce because that's what you're talking about and that's what everybody's preparing for. In their mind, there's a plan B of what it's going to be like to be single. I need to go to an attorney. I need to get a hidden account. I need to do all these things. Yeah, that's what people do. And, and once they hear that word, they start preparing. You know, there's several kinds of irrational thoughts. There's the one that's focusing on the negative. This time, you know, this is called filtering. You filter out all the good and focus only on the bad. You know, I get so nervous speaking in public. I just know the people are thinking about how bad I'm speaking. You know, the reality is probably no one is more focused on your performance than you. And it may be helped to look for some evidence that good things happen after one of your presentations. You may not hit the whole audience, but maybe there's one or two that they do get it and they like it. You know, do people applaud? Did anyone tell you that you did a good job? You know, the other thing is called shooting, shooting all over yourself. You know, people sometimes have said ideas about how they should act. If you hear yourself saying that you or other people should or ought to or must, that's called masturbating, you know, do something, then you might be setting yourself up to feel bad. For example, you know, I have to be in control all the time or I can't cope with things. You know, the reality is there's nothing wrong with wanting to have some control over things that you can control, but you may cause yourself anxiety by worrying about things that you can't control. So why don't you turn what you need to control in preference? You know, I'd prefer. Then you're not going to offend anybody. You're not going to offend anyone by communicating your preferences because now they're getting to know you and you're moving into a different stage of life. And then there's people that overgeneralize. You know, this is talking, you know, taking one example is saying it's true for everything. You know, they, people will say, oh, that happens. So this happens all the time. All men are this or all women are that. You know, look at the words such as never and always. You know, I'll never feel normal. I worry about everything all the time. But the reality is you may worry about many things, but everything is it possible you're exaggerating? Although you may worry about many things, you also may find that you feel strong and calm about other things. And we need to tune into people's language when they use extremism like shoulds and, and ought tos and, and uh, you know, never and always. 
people that do that want everything to be black and white so they can make everything simple. The problem is that we're all gray. We're not black and white. We're good and evil. We have both. And so the potential for good and evil is different in everybody based on their thinking. But the fact is, if you're going to be a big worrier and a big control freak, a lot of things are going to turn out to be negative in your point of view because they didn't go the way you wanted them to or they weren't simple enough for you. I mean, let's face it. We're lazy people. Lazy, lazy, lazy. We always do what I'm saying always. We do what's easiest most of the time. And so the bottom line is we need to understand that we in life look for the gray. We don't look for the black and white. We start to see bad things that we don't like what happened, but we stop making the assumption that there was a negative intention about what happened. What we want to do is go, okay, what is the process that led to the decision? What were their intentions when they made that choice? How did they arrive at that? What in the world were they thinking? You know, by going to what and how instead of why did they do that? We start evaluating things a lot differently and look for the gray. That's where forgiveness is. If we do black and white thinking, we know, don't know how to forgive. And a lot of people build their anxiety with black and white thinking. There's also all or nothing thinking. This is called uh, black and white thinking too. You know, if I don't get a perfect job review, uh, then I'll lose my job. But the reality is most performance reviews are supposed to be constructive criticism. And if you accept that, then you understand what the process is there for. We always have an opportunity to grow. There's also this thing, catastrophic thinking. This is assuming the worst possible thing's going to happen. And this type of irrational thinking includes what if questions. And that means we're going to set up scenarios that what if, what if, what if, what if, and, and then we build a solution to that. By doing that, we create panic. We create panic and anxiety because we're trying to prepare ourselves for a catastrophe in every single thing in our life. And, and you know, if it, 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 you know, what if it's you know, what people do with its medical issues is they'll sit there and Google it and then they'll drive themselves crazy because they'll see the worst possible outcome of maybe something, uh, you know, like a migraine headache or something. And they'll go, oh, my God, I got a brain tumor or something like that. And people that live like that. You know, they, they, if they have a lot of headaches, stop Googling, go see a doctor, see if you can find an answer. If you don't find an answer, have faith that there's nothing wrong. You just have migraines. You know, maybe there's a dietary thing to it. The, the odds are something more common or far less serious is the issue. You know, you might need glasses. You could have a sinus infection. Maybe you're getting tension from headaches and stress. Maybe you're trying to control everything and you've already freaked yourself out so much because you're overwhelmed trying to control everything. The bottom line is in, in the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic Manual for Mental Health, the bottom line is... Every diagnosis that is man-made, meaning that it's not schizophrenia or retardation, anything like that, where it's not genetic, necessarily fully genetic, like depression, anxiety, OCD, all these things are how we try to control things we don't control. The symptoms that lead to those diagnoses is how you in your life have decided to cope with your stress and your anxiety. You cope with it through either depression, anxiety, both, OCD, whatever, whatever. All of these things that are not man-made but are about you, that how you've constructed and how you've decided to operate and how you've decided to protect yourself 
is all based on the symptoms towards those diagnoses coming from the need to control things that you cannot control. You know, you need to choose your thoughts. You know, is it a helpful thought or is it a hurtful thought? You know, keeping a journal of your thoughts is one of the best ways to practice stopping, asking, and choosing your thoughts. And it makes you aware of your self-talk. So write down any negative or unhelpful thoughts you had during the day. And if you think you might not remember them at the end of your day, keep a notepad with you so that you can write down any thoughts as they happen. And if you don't have a notepad, use your smartphone and in the notes and create a notes app and write the notes for yourself then and there. If you do this every day, accurately, honestly, helpful thoughts will soon come naturally to you instead of the negative thoughts. You do not understand how much relief this gives you to begin living a faith-based life which goes uh, uh, towards the grain of life, not against it, because fear is against the grain of life, worry is against the grain of life, and faith is with the grain of light of, of life. You know, I, I need to have leaps of faith where I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I'll adapt. I'll adapt. We do that when we get married. We do that when we have children. We do that when we buy a car, get a new job. We take leaps of faith all the time. But people that live in fear and worry limit their ability to take leaps of faith and get very conservative, very practical, or oftentimes procrastinate to the point that they don't make a decision whatsoever. And then all they do is feel depressed because they're paralyzed in their own depression and anxiety. You know, if, if you um, develop some truth in, of some of your negative thoughts, you may have some things you want to work on. And if you didn't perform as well as you would like, Write that down, and you can work on a plan to correct and improve things. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more about uh, managing panic. Come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for The Power of Young People to Change the World, hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time, or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, 
please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Are we talking about managing panic? You know, people with panic disorder often experience negative thoughts with self-defeating beliefs. And this is especially the case during a panic attack when your inner voice may amplify your fears and anxiety. For example, when a panic takes hold, you may believe that you really are going to stop breathing or that you're truly going crazy or maybe am I dying or having a heart attack. You know, there's some some irrational thoughts that are common with people with anxiety uh, disorder. And in order to change your thinking, you got to become aware of those thought patterns and the underlying part of your panic. Number one is forecasting. You know, when you're forecasting, you're predicting a future event that hasn't happened. So people with panic disorder try to control their fear by forecasting that the worst will happen, which is known as catastrophic thinking, as we said in the last uh, segment. You know, for example, if you're afraid of flying while on a plane, you might think to yourself, this turbulence feels scary. I know something is wrong with the plane. Or if you have an agoraphobia and fear leaving your home, you might think, if I leave, I know just I'll have a panic attack and I'll freak out and I don't know what to do. Instead of looking for a nice, quiet place wherever you go, before you go there, if you really worry about a panic attack, why don't you forecast, oh, I'll go to the Starbucks or maybe I'll go over to that far corner where people aren't as much people aren't over there all the time. You know, the, the outlook may be escalated to beliefs such as, I just know the planes are going to, to crash or I'll have a panic attack in public. I'll look like I'm crazy and I'll have to be committed. You know, when we go that direction, we are setting ourselves up for more anxiety than we need. Why can't we just go and be in the moment? Not be in the past, not be in the future, not being in the forecast. Just be. Be in the moment. Because you'll find... That that's where safety is, and that's where your intuition is. People that have panic attacks are in their head way too much, and they ruminate, and they ruminate, and they ruminate their thoughts, meaning they churn and churn and churn about the same thoughts over and over again, and that makes them a very gloomy person. You know, self-defeat is another one. You know, anxiety and panic are prone people tend to use the words should, ought, must, like we talked about before. You know, I ought to be comfortable in public. I must be a failure. Those harsh judgments are not helpful in reducing your anxiety. That that's all or nothing thinking leads to self-criticisms that simply feeds anxiety. Instead, you become overwhelmed with self-defeating thoughts. And you may begin to blame yourself uh, for having pa- uh, panic disorders, believing that it's time, some sort of flaw on your part. And you may also start name-calling, such as telling yourself you're pathetic or weak or stupid. You know, this can lead to overgeneralizations in which you think that you will never feel okay in public or you will always feel uneasy. All of these destructive thoughts add to feelings of helplessness. Why don't we turn it into, I will fix this. I will develop relationships. I will go out into public. I will 
uh, I will take on my anxiety. I will become conscious of what's happening. I will stop catastrophizing. Instead of I'll try, I'll try. You know, a try has a back door. And most people, especially those that are lazy, live in the try and not in the will. People that have will tend to be resilient. People that try tend to be depressed and anxious. You know, nervousness is often magnified when we believe that we're being judged by other people. Why would we want to give people that much power, especially people that we don't know? You know, my gosh, those with panic disorder often feel that others disapprove of them or further feeling feelings of guilt and worry or think that people prey on them when they're vulnerable. But the fact is that most people sympathize and most people understand what that's like because they've had it before. And and that's just the way it goes, guys. We're not vulnerable in public. We're surrounded by empathetic people that likely if there's a group of people and they see you vulnerable, they're going to help you. That's what people do. Unfortunately, most others, most people will be the bad forecasters and demonize people and fear being around people that are going to be hurtful and judgmental of them. If people are hurtful and judgmental, they don't belong in your life, number one, and they don't deserve power, number two. Also, there's there's no proof that other people are actually critically evaluating you. You still believe that others have an aversion to you. You may be a people pleaser, wanting to be liked and seen as the perfect by others. You may also feel inferior to others, thinking that you just don't measure up. Well, when we have that kind of thinking, it's ridiculous. You're giving too much power to people. Too much power. They don't think about you that much. Why in the world would you give them that much power? Even if you witness somebody with a full-blown panic attack, you're not going to spend the whole day thinking about that person. What you're probably going to think about is, why didn't I respond better to that person? That's usually what the ones that are actually thinking about it. You know, there's this other thing called mind reading. You know, you have thoughts like, I can tell that the flight attendant's face, that there's a serious problem on the plane. You know, while, while you're out in public, that person can tell I'm nervous. He thinks I'm neurotic. You know, as you can see, these inner statements make your apprehension grow and exacerbate your panic attack. Here's the thing about emotions. Emotions can't last more than three minutes unless you feed them with a reason to have the emotion. So, if you think of it like a wave, the emotion comes across as a wave and then it disappears because you don't feed it. You go, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, not ups- I'm upset because such and such said this to me. Okay, now when we do that, we've added another three minutes. I'm upset because I think I'm going to lose my job due to that. Another three minutes. Uh, I'm upset because people are judging me another three minutes. You see, and now what we're doing is we're building the wave into a tidal wave, which will eventually turn into a panic attack. If you just go, you know, I'm, I'm upset. I'm really upset. I'm, yep, I'm very, very upset. Upset, upset, upset. But we're not feeding it with why we're upset. Guess what happens? The brain gets bored and throws it away. That's how you manage your emotions. People with a good EQ don't avoid their emotions or try to control their emotions or feed their emotions with logic because logic doesn't have anything to do with emotions. Emotions are meant to emote. Let them go and don't put any power into them unless 
they provide motivation, which is the main ingredient for emotions. If fear is what's being felt, is there a reason for fear to protect you? Well, then use the fear to motivate you. What if you're afraid you're going to fail a test? Use the fear to motivate you to pass the test. But don't over-exacerbate yourself with the fear of failure. The fear should be, I'm going to not fa- I'm going to fail the test and I don't want to fail the test. So l- focus on that rather than I'm going to fail. I, I don't want to fail the test. So use the fear to motivate you to study at an earlier time rather than the middle of the night before the test is to be taken. That's a similar example to what I'm trying to give you. You know, how to change how you're thinking is the quandary for so many people. You know, these destructive thought processes are contributing to your experience with the panic disorder. Do you recognize your thought patterns in in any of these belief systems? And in order to change the way you think, you must first recognize your typical thoughts to begin to change. Keep a notebook and a pen with you like we talked about before. Jot down the harmful thoughts or jot down I fear, I fear, I fear. And then on the other side of the page... I have faith, I have faith that, I have faith that, I have faith that, and guess what? Land on I have faith that, and you may walk right out of the formula that leads to a panic disorder. If you're having a panic disorder and you need to calm down, the best thing to do is to drink water. Water has about 86% oxygen. Air has about 23% oxygen. When you're having a panic attack, the reason why you feel like you're dying is because your brain is stealing all of the oxygen out of the bloodstream to keep the brain alive. And when it does that, all the other organs get exacerbated and they begin to sputter because they can't do what oxygen makes them do, which is to, uh, to, to move, to live. You know, the heart needs that to thrive. The, the lungs need that to, to do their work. The stomach needs to do that to have oxygen to do its work. That's what makes the sun blow up. And so, you know, oxygen is what your brain is needing in a panic attack. Water with an aerated uh, uh, top is the best thing you can have because now the body doesn't have to break down the oxygen molecules. It's already broken down through the aerator and instantly you're starting to calm down because your brain no longer needs all the oxygen. It's releasing it back to the organs. That's why you're sweating. That's why you're pale. That's why you feel like you're going to die. That's why your face might be red. It's because the oxygen distribution in your body is out of whack and it does feel like you're dying. It does feel like you're worrying. It does feel like you're embarrassed. Um, it, it, it's just a bad place to be. But once again, the water will calm you down, calm you down. And if you just take the time, set yourself aside in somewhere quiet and peaceful, if you can find one, even at Disneyland or wherever you're at, then find that peaceful place, drink your water, calm down, think, think thoughts of constructiveness, how realistic is this, and stop judging whether or not you're going to have another panic attack. Just begin to move forward with your life, and the more that you, you uh, stop trying to invent or trying to prevent a panic attack, a panic attack is meant to go through it, not to prevent it. Go through it. The things to prevent it is the, 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 the treatment, is, the, is the, the negative self-talk. If you can treat that, you're going to prevent yourself from having a panic attack. Now that you, you know, now that you have things down on paper, let's hope you do that. Some some uh, time writing down a more constructive statement. 
You know, let's say you wrote down, I should be less of a worrier and get a grip. Try replacing that negative thought with a statement like, some days are better than others, but I know I'm going to do my best to overcome anxiety and panic. So we're not going to be perfect, but what we're going to do is be resilient. And we're going to always try to be resilient, and that is the will to be resilient. We will be resilient. We will. We, if we did more wills in our life, like I will be married, I will be a good husband, I will be a good father, I will be a good employee, I will be a good person. <clears throat> if we dealt more with those commitments to ourselves and other people, we would have a much better life. If you replace that negative thought with a statement of some days are better than others, what do you think is going to happen? You know, it's going to be good. You know, the more you become aware of your thought process, the easier it will be to become, uh, to change it. Over time, your views about yourself and the world around you will transition and transform into a more optimistic picture. Oh, that's amazing. You know, for many, like 40 million adults who experience anxiety disorder, panic attacks, and are a common occurrence. 40 million people just in the United States. The physical symptoms alone are debilitating and include labored breathing, chills, you know, a spike in blood pressure. But the most draining symptom of a panic episode is the emotional aspect. And, and they're crippling thoughts that happen during a panic attack, making it terrifying for the mind-body experience. You know, when they first start, people may get sweaty palms and dizziness. And this may initially cause them to feel like something else might be wrong. Well, first of all, then they go through, oh, oh, no, again, it's, it's not again. This is coming on again. I got to stop it. These attacks will never go away. I know this is irrational, but I can't make them stop. Well, Water, 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 water. That's the first way to stop in a sports bottle, an aerated bottle. That's why they call them a sports bottle, because it instantly loads the, the, the oxygen into the bloodstream, which is where the muscles are, which the brain's a muscle. And if you give it oxygen, it has more power, and we do a much better job as an athlete. You know, panic attacks are often a reoccurring uh, symptom of mental illness, particularly those with panic disorder. However, just because someone has experienced a panic episode before doesn't mean it's easier to handle, you know? And, and the other thoughts that go on are things like, how embarrassed will I be this time because I can't get past the unfounded fear, you know? Come on, think about how silly I feel and how it's all going to be okay. You, you, you know, many fears are the core of anxiety are characterized as irrational. And whatever triggers the panic attack usually is unfounded, you know, but the brain doesn't know the difference. But first of all, if you have a panic disorder, you will start to be socially, uh, have social anxiety also because you don't want to go out in public and be embarrassed by it. But if you understand, like I've said before, and but I'm going to say it very directly, most people don't think about you that much. As a matter of fact, they think about you very little. Even your spouse, even your children, even your parents, they don't think about you that much. Yes, they think about you. Yeah, but it's only maybe a few minutes in the day. I mean, they're not always like, oh, my gosh, how is my partner? No, they don't spend hours and hours and hours. But we as people think people, uh, we think we're so freaking important that everybody in the world's thinking about us and that we're traumatizing everybody else's day by our sweaty palms and all that stuff. 
you know, the bottom line is they, they walk away and oftentimes they're on to the next thing. And you have to realize that even people that get directly involved in somebody with a panic attack, they're only there to help. And then they go on about their day. It's not like they're living in fear of what you're doing and how you're doing. The only one that's traumatized by, by that is you because you think you're so freaking important. And, and, you know, we live in a society where we are all socially related. If you think people don't relate to a panic attack and people don't relate to social anxiety, you're wrong. The vast majority of us have had it. A lot of people don't like people. A lot of people are introverted. We just have to understand that. A lot of people have a low concept of themselves. They Most people empathize with a person in a panic attack. And if you realize that, then you don't have to be so embarrassed and afraid. You know, some people feel like they're having a heart attack. I know when I experience anxiety, I feel it in my chest. And, you know, my chest starts to hurt. It feels like my heart's racing. I feel like I, I'm lo- losing my mind because nothing is really wrong. It definitely feels real. But, the, you know, the, 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 the frustration is feeling out of control. And if we can just accept the panic attack and let it run through us, it'll run its course and we go on about our life. And then the other thing is people are judging me. You know, people really need to learn the difference between normal fear, anxious, and really anxious things. Because, you know, many people try to hide anxiety and all that does is exacerbate it. You know, there's a huge stigma around mental health conditions. Panic attacks can sometimes be aggravated by fear, uh, negative uh, stereotyping, especially when they happen out of the blue in a public place. You know, <laughs> and then we don't feel normal. We, we, we feel like everybody else is braver than us. You know, it feels like we're, we're vulnerable and nothing is real. And the fear sets in and you feel like you, you may faint. You know, mental illnesses feel truly isolating because they're intangible. People can't see them. And when they have a panic disorder or a panic attack, people can see it. And now it's real. Well, that's good because it gives them a sign so this person may need some help. But you have to be willing to accept it. And that's important. All right. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about more thoughts. And then we're going to talk about more tools to help you manage panic in your life. Come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, 
on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about managing panic in your life. And I have, you know, one of the big thoughts that people have, and I I know I've had this, is I'm going to die. You know, in the moment, you have no doubt that you're going to die. It's feeling of uh, claustrophobia in your own body, basically. During, During the peak of a panic attack, people experience painful symptoms, such as the inability to catch their breath or pain in their chest. And this can cause someone to feel like their body is shutting down. And quite frankly, without the oxygen in the bloodstream to help all our organs, like our heart and our lungs and our stomach and all those other organs, kidneys, liver, all that stuff, if we don't have that going on, uh, it is like your body is shutting down. That's why I say water, 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 water. If not, take a breath. Take a breath as many as you can. Just breathe, breathe, breathe. Speak slowly, repeatedly, you know. And, you know, make it make an attempt to, to, you know, experience calming down and don't fight it. Allow it to move through you. It's an emotion. Let it emote. You know, the, the other people look at how disappointed people are going to be. You know, my, my brain's messing up my thoughts. It usually ends with the family, coworkers, whatever. Everyone's disappointed because it's ruining their day. If we're out in public and we're with them and doing fun things and all of a sudden we have a panic attack, we feel like we've crippled everybody's day. That's not true. You know, a strong support system is very critical and crucial when it comes to mental health. If a loved one is experiencing a panic, you know, here's some things to do. Don't try to make it stop. Get them water. Accept it. Allow it to be a good thing. Allow them to calm down. That's the most important thing. Accept it. Just let it move through you. Accept it. You know, the the, the, the physical uh, symptoms of a panic attack include fast breathing, severe perspiration, trembling, nausea, dizziness, numbness, and even tingling. You know, there's these chills or the sensations of heat, increased heart rate. In addition to the the fear, there may be feelings of disconnection from yourself, uh, uh, loss of control, imminent danger, strong desire to flee or avoid the situation. And that's because we're we're into the fight or flight mode. And the, the panic disorder, if you fight it, actually becomes traumatic, which can result in Uh, uh, acute anxiety, and then it can result in PTSD if you hang on to it and make it so important. You know, the onset of symptoms is sudden and can develop from from a calm or anxious state. And so some people feel sabotaged and they experience a limited uh, 
symptom of panic attacks, which consists of less than four or five common things that I, I just listed, but panic attacks last from about five to 20 minutes, generally peaking at 10 minutes, and the panic attack can occur several times within the span of a few hours, and some people every day or once a week. And so those who have frequent panic attacks often come to recognize the situations that trigger the attack and learn to be prepared. You know, like if you get a panic attack in the grocery store, you know, go find a place that is quieter and safe, have it planned out before you have the attack so you can go right there. You know, if you're, let's say, in a Home Depot, go out where the flowers are. Go where somewhere where you can be out in the air, get some breath, and be out in that area where um, people aren't as concentrated. You know, just think, be creative if you know where you get triggered. Triggered. You know, the physical symptoms is is all over the place, but you know, our feeling of the restrictive sensation of your chest walls caving in as someone's standing on your rib cage, you're becoming alarmingly aware of the rhythm of your breathing and wonder if your next breath will be your last. And it's like you're drowning without being underwater. And you think, I can't breathe. I'm going to die. Just, you know, just breathe. Just breathe. You know, heart palpitations, shortness of breath, rapid heart rate are just some of the scary reactions that occur during a panic attack. And these symptoms can intensify and increase, leading to uncontrollable trembling and sweating and tightness around the head, a feeling of suffocation. But anyone... Uh, realizing that it's a lack of oxygen will recognize the value of breathe, 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 water, water, water. That should be your first thought. You know, anyone uh, from from uh, suffering from chronic anxiety understands you can't control when a panic attack hits. And in fact, it's trying to control it is going to exacerbate it. So the greatest fear for someone dealing with anxiety is losing control and feeling trapped in an uncomfortable situation, experiencing humiliation. When anxiety hits, it can make you feel like you're going crazy, like you've had absolutely no control of losing your mind. And when you can't find a way to relax, it can feel like you're abandoning yourself in the moments of your attack. Like like any chronic condition, you can't just wish panic attacks away, get rid of them with medication, make them disappear in any given situation. However, you can learn to better manage it. So understand it. Anxiety can be defined as a response of an organism to a threat, real or imagined, and it is a process that in some form is present in all living things. And you need to know that. You know, uh, Bowen wrote that and uh, Kerr. So Murray Bowen, you know, he was the father of the natural systems theory. And there's two types of anxiety in his perspective, acute anxiety and chronic anxiety. And that uncomfortable feeling you get when you're driving in bad weather and alerts you to move slowly in, in an example of acute anxiety. It's a type of anxiety that reminds you to act with caution in situations that may be dangerous. And it's naturally occurring to alarm your body that lets you know you're in danger. So it's actually a form of anxiety that's good for your survival. When the stressor is eliminated, for example, the bad weather stops and you reach your destination, acute anxiety stops as well. That's important to re- realize. And according to Bowen, it's, it's uh, acute anxiety is fed by the fear of what is. Chronic anxiety is fed by the fear of what might be. That's where the problem is, what might be. 
That's the forecasting. If you think about it, when you're anxious and afraid, it's usually because you're thinking of what might be and it's anticipating a bad future outcome and being fearful of the what ifs and catastrophizing and going into all that kind of craziness. Additionally, when being around certain people who are anxious or growing up with anxious caregivers, you'll almost always likely be dealing with anxiety as well. You know, when you you think about it, there's always at least one person in a person's family who struggles with chronic anxiety, and it takes some sort of medication sometimes to deal with it. And, and uh, you know, anxiety rubs off on people. It's transmitted and absorbed without thinking because we hear their narrative over and over again about how cautious they need to be and how careful they need to be and what could happen and what you need to do if you're going to go out there and drive in your car, a person that catastrophizes is going to be basically go to the worst possible thing and then project it on other people. By doing that, they're passing it on to the next generation, the next generation, the next generation. So here's some, some tactics, basically. You know, it's, it's, it's like you're living with a, a voice, and it knows all your insecurities and uses them against you. It might even be your spouse, by the way. It gets to the point when it's the loudest voice in the room and the only one you hear. And so here's another thing. Here's some things to do. Take vitamin B6 and iron. B6 and iron play a critical role in regulating the production of serotonin in the body. Healthy levels of serotonin, which is known as the hormone of happiness, can help you go out of negative thoughts and allow you to better cope with difficulties when they arise. Also, diaphragmic breathing, breathing from your diaphragm instead of just taking deep breaths during a panic attack. You want to practice diaphragmic breathing. When you engage in this type of breathing, your belly expands in and out, and instead of your chest going up and down, it helps to imagine that you have a balloon in your stomach. Take longer to exhale than inhale, perhaps inhaling for three seconds and exhaling for four seconds. Relax your muscles. That's another uh, 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 tactic, and it's progressive muscle relaxation which is essentially involves doing a full body examination, tightening, then releasing each muscle group in your body. You start on your toes, work your way up, taking turns sensing one muscle group of a few seconds, then relaxing it for about 30, move on to the next muscle group until you work your way up to the top of your head. You know, the, the other, you know, how we get into that state of being mindful, I look at it like a, 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 a plumb line, if you think about construction, a plumb line is going to find the center of, of something. So you drop, it's like a plumb metal thing that drops and basically it'll waggle until it finds the center. And if you think in terms of a visual like that, oftentimes it's helpful to get you to realize that you can control anxiety by trying to find the center of your plumb line, relaxing it enough to be that way. You know, you have to remember you're not dying, you're having a panic attack, and you remind yourself what you're experiencing is a panic attack, and the feelings bring back normal panic symptoms. Describe your symptoms to yourself, allow yourself to feel them so you don't let them go, and instead of judging your symptoms, just acknowledge them. Yep, they're there. Remind yourself that this is simply a sympathetic nervous system response that's going to soon pass. And the first thing people tend to do is try to fight their symptoms, judge themselves, you know, be your symptoms and try to quiet your thoughts. That's the best way to start gaining control without trying to get rid of it right away. 
limit your caffeine. That's the big deal. A lot of people drink a lot of caffeine. I know I do. Drinking or eating foods with caffeine make you more anxious. This because caffeine is a central nervous system stimulant. So consuming too much of it can exacerbate anxiety and panic attacks because it stimulates your fight or flight response. And this can make anxiety worse, even triggering when an, an anxiety or panic attack. So limiting caffeine is a really good way to reduce your level of anxiety daily. Um, you know, self-soothe with comedy. Comedy is the healer of all. You know, it, when your favorite sitcom or something funny gets your mind off anxiety and you have a good laugh, you, you don't take life so serious. You know, people love colors. And people, if you want to find yourself relaxed, be, fans, uh, be a fan of coloring and explain what the activity makes you feel calmer, mentally clearer, happier, more relaxed. When engaging in your hobby, you know, colorists, as they call themselves, say their worries temporarily fade away. Exercise, you know, 20 minutes of exercise is all it takes to reduce the symptoms of anxiety. If you want to reduce anxiety in your life, uh, 60% of an antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication is 20 minutes of cardio. Every day, though, you know, exercise will not only make you feel better about yourself, but will also flood your body with endorphins. Some researchers uh, believe that it increases your body heat which is uh, and may alter neutral circuits that control cognitive function and mood, including those that affect the neurotransmitter serotonin. It means you get better serotonin, boosting your mood, increase the relaxation, and alleviates anxiety. Another one, another point that is so important, have confidence in yourself. Be resilient. I will. You can better manage your fear of what might be by having confidence and deep knowledge that you can meet, will be with, and get through any experience in this life that may arise. And the more you do it, the more confident you become. Think about a time when you got through a difficult thing and how you were able to do it. Coming to trust in yourself, your ability to get through life's inevitable difficulties will help you decrease the what-ifs for tomorrow. And that is a huge, huge, important thing for all of us to be resilient. You know, it is to be able to look at things in our life that have scared us. Look at experiential learning that we've all had through experiences, bad experiences, good experiences. Life is supposed to be painful. It is painful. Come to that realization. Not everything works out in our favor, but face it and accept it. And the more you do that, the more we're able to handle the bad things in life and the good things in life. That's a huge, huge part of our life, and we all have to embrace that. And if you're, if you're somebody that's a Christian, that's exercising your faith, and if you don't think you can handle it, then let God handle it. All right, that's our show. I'd like to thank you for listening. I'd love to hear from you. You can do that at voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, nearly everyone under 50 has a panic attack. When they have lost their smartphone. <laughs> also, watch how fast the store empties when someone enters Trader Joe's without a mask for COVID. Also, I wonder what happens to an adrenaline junkie having a panic attack after jumping out of a plane. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology 
next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 